Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our CPR series looks at certain topics that come up in life, and we attempt to discuss them in a way that relates to everyone. At times, we bring in the arguments of those opposed to the Word of God in order to practice contending for the faith that God gave His Church. It is our prayer that you will be equipped to give a defense for the truths of the Christian faith with humility and respect. Welcome back to the Burden and Blessing podcast. You're joining us here with our continuing series on the skeptics' arguments against the Christian faith. I'm Pastor Mark Tiefel. Joining me, as always, on this segment is Pastor Neil Radical. We've been looking at a couple resurrection topics now that we are uh, just past Easter. Last week, we talked about one of the most popular arguments against the resurrection of Christ. That would be the swoon theory. Uh, which essentially claims that Jesus didn't even die. Uh, Today, we've got a little bit different argument that maybe isn't as popular as that other one, but it actually has its origins in the Bible. Uh, The skeptics argument that we look at today is that the 12 disciples stole the body of Jesus out of the tomb. So joining me again today is Pastor Neil Radically. He's going to walk us through this. Neil, good to talk with you about this today. Just to get us started off, Tell us where this comes from in the Bible. Very last text of Matthew 28 reminds us that exactly what took place. And so some skeptics would say, well, how can you trust that report? And ultimately, okay, well, you have to consider that this is also what was said by Josephus and other secular writers too, that the disciples stole the body. So this is just the disciples that are saying this. But you see the Gospel of Matthew recording what was the traditional expression of what happened to Jesus' body. So Matthew 28, I can read it. It's a pretty short section. Now, while they were going, verse 11 begins by saying, Behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. If this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So the big contrast between this week and the last one we did with the swoon theory is that many skeptics will say, well, Jesus didn't actually really die on the cross, just like you mentioned. Here, this theory is a lot more popular, in my opinion, because that means the simplest explanation. All Jesus' followers knew that he said he was going to rise from the dead. So in order to prove that, they took his body. If we believe that Jesus really died and we've disproven the swoon theory that he just fainted on the cross, then the next logical thing to be to disprove Jesus' resurrection would be to say that his disciples stole the body. And that, like you mentioned, is what we actually have reported for us in the gospel and the secular writers of those days, that this was what the rumor was. We can't find the body because it's disciples stole it and they hid it somewhere that nobody knows so this wouldn't go as far as to claim that jesus didn't die but simply that the disciples had already hatched this plan to cover it up to keep the movement going so when we see we see pictures maybe in a bible story book or maybe on the internet of what the tomb was like it kind of looks like a little cave maybe a hole uh, in in a rock wall some kind And it seems like it would be pretty easy to kind of creep into something like that 
overnight and steal a body away. Can you give us a little bit more of the context of what Jesus's tomb was like and some of the information we know from the Bible that shows this really wouldn't have been that easy of a thing for the disciples to do? Yeah, I think the easiest way to respond to this question, in my opinion, is the disciples stole Jesus' body and faked his resurrection. Let's talk about those three groups. I know we like three summaries, so here's would be my three summaries. Let's look at the three different people groups that would have any reason to deal with Jesus' body at all. You got the Romans, who were charged to guard the body. You got the Jewish leaders, who you know want to know where the body is. And then you got the disciples, which is what this one's actually accusing. So if we start with the disciples, first and foremost, I think that's partly a way to answer your question, is because if the disciples stole the body from the grave, my first question is, how would they have done that? You have the Romans guarding it, you have the seal over the tomb, you have the stone there, and the Matthew gospel says the disciples took Jesus' body while they were asleep, and that's what the guards reported but my question has always been well how the guards know how would the guards know if they were sleeping who took the body or not so the reporting it was the disciples why couldn't it have been the jews they're asleep how are they supposed to know and so that's one thing that you would say with the grave itself is if the guard is there i know some movies have pictured it like one or two guys uh, i believe the guard is a lot bigger than that uh, uh, some people speculate it's 20, could be more than that. You know, you have a legion being uh, a much larger guard, but a guard could be more than just two guys. So regardless, you have these armed guards that are protecting that tomb who said it was stolen when they were sleeping. So unless there was some kind of a counter exchange, how would you, how would you get the body out of there? How would you steal that? Would be my first question to ask ask someone who's skeptical about this. You said that the tomb was sealed though. Can you explain what that means for our listeners? Yeah, so if you think about the seal on the outside, it had not only Pilate's imperial seal, like you can't mess with this, but a lot of times they'd have big bands and they'd secure the tomb in the sense like you're not moving that stone. So when we talk about Jesus' resurrection, the stone was broken open in that sense so there's a couple different ways they could have done that but sometimes they would anchor straps over the tomb to show like whether or not the tomb would be broken into or not like that those seals would have to be broken in order to breach the tomb so not only do you have the guards but you have the seal that would show whether it was broken or not so you talked about the three groups of people the romans the jewish leaders the disciples which group had a role to play in the reason why the tomb was sealed? Does the Bible tell us why this, the tomb was sealed? And if it does, what group of people was involved in that? Well, because the Jews were worried about the disciples doing exactly what this theory states, Pilate allowed the Jews to basically say, make it as secure as you know how. You know, So that seal was made that had the Romans involved, the guard was given that allowed the presence of the roman army to be there the roman authority not just the seal but their presence there to protect that body and remember roman law also said if you lost the body or if you lost your prisoner in this case the prisoner was jesus body don't lose that body then they could be executed for that that's why you see in the matthew 28 
the, the Jewish leaders say to the guards, if this comes back to the governor's ears, we'll take care of it. We'll take care of that problem because we know you'll be in big trouble if you lose the body because you're not supposed to do that as Roman guards. So you really have the, Rome, the Jewish leaders working with the Romans to secure this tomb. And you, you think of the kind of the wimpy disciples at that point in time, we haven't made the point that they're hiding until Jesus appears with them. So they're in no position to steal the body because they're hiding in their homes. They're afraid at this point in time. So none of it adds up as far as the disciples stole Jesus' body. No, they're they're cowering in fear of also being put to death or being captured or uh, imprisoned. And then you also have this collaboration between the Jewish leaders who have their own guards and authority and the Roman leaders who, again, Pilate gave them that opportunity to put a guard, place a guard there. This Really, I think that phrase, make the tomb as secure as you know how, reminds us that there's there's no way anyone's stealing this body. I really like how that and that's in Matthew chapter 27, just a chapter before the conspiracy to cover it up. I really like how God lays that out in his word where he almost uses the Jewish leaders to prove the resurrection because they, they are already worried on, on Good Friday. They're already worried about this happening. So they go to extra lengths than, than one would normally go to, to make sure this, this tomb would not be broken into. And that is even, unwittingly, they don't even realize they're putting down even greater proof that the only way that Christ could be out of that tomb is that he rose from the dead. And, and so you see God's plan unfolding here where sometimes we wonder in life, why does God allow these evil people to do these things? Well, maybe he's got a reason that we have to wait and see down the line. Certainly wouldn't seem to make a lot of sense in Matthew 27 for God to allow these enemies of, the, of Christ to seal his tomb in this way and to, to be spreading all these things about it. But we see on Easter Sunday, the powerful impact that that has when we realize they have gone to great lengths to show that there's no way that Christ could be out of this tomb other than some miraculous feat of God. It certainly was not through the disciples. You said a really interesting phrase there of the Jewish leaders that he allowed them to go to greater lengths, basically to keep it secure. But in that way, our Lord, our God went to greater lengths, greater lengths to prove to us that he really did rise from the dead by allowing that to take place. I'm kind of reiterating what you just said, but the greater lengths that they took to prove that he didn't rise actually was God's intention to show us the greater lengths of what he did to prove to us that he really rose from the dead. It kind of reminds me of our last discussion with the, the whole spear in Jesus' side. Did he really actually die? Those have been greater lengths the ex- executioners took to prove that he was really dead. And you see that happening throughout this whole Holy Week. The greater lengths that the Lord went, all the Old Testament prophecies, all these fulfillments that we see in Christ, this, the greater lengths that Je- Jesus would show that he really died, he really rose again, is evidenced by all the groups that were at play that didn't want that to happen, didn't want to see that to take place. Satan himself, the Lord defeated it all and showed it so we could have that absolute confidence that, yeah, he truly did die. There's no other explanation. Yeah, he truly did rise. There's no other explanation if you look hard at the facts. It, it seems hard to admit from a human standpoint that a resurrection from the dead is the most logical conclusion. 
that doesn't sound logical, but when, but God has laid down information in his word to show that it certainly didn't happen by any other means. This, it wouldn't have been possible. You, you look at the, the previous theory too, that Jesus didn't even die. I mean, you look at just the proof of what we have on that. It doesn't make any sense at all. And yet the skeptic will often want to say it's the Christian who believes in the resurrection that is being foolish or being unreasonable. And it, you know, a resurrection is certainly something that defies our experience and defies our understanding, but we're dealing with the eternal, holy, almighty God here. And it's certainly within his ability there. And, and when, you, when you see all these details put into the word like this, that prove there were at, at some point, somebody needs to ask the question about the resurrection because there doesn't appear to be an earthly explanation as to how Jesus would have been out of the tomb outside of, of what he claimed to be doing, and that is rising from the dead. And so it kind of turns the table in a sense on the skeptic and, and their argument when you see all these great details in the Bible. But I think a lot of people don't realize that that these things are recorded in the Bible. I'm, I'm willing to guess that a lot of people don't realize that the, the chief priests and the scribes thought that this was going to happen on Good Friday and went to great lengths to try to prevent it from happening. They probably just hear the argument put out there without seeing the details of the Bible. And it's a good reminder of why we need to get back to the Bible and see, because God, God addresses a lot of these arguments directly in his word. Well, isn't it my last point that I have on this is it's exciting for me to talk about this with you because I don't know about you, but it almost like you get, are not our hearts burning when we talk about what Jesus has done, you know, because it ultimately gives us that confident hope. Jesus is risen. I'm going to rise too. I can look forward to eternal life. You know, so it's, it's that excitement, which changed those cowardly disciples that were hiding in the upper rooms to go and now boldly, boldly proclaim that Christ was risen. If they had stole his body, then they'd be tortured for that lie later on. And that, most times does not happen where people will endure torture for a lie when it doesn't even benefit them at all. So ultimately there's some amazing things that can excite us as Christians to recognize the authority and the authenticity and the comfort that we have in this confident resurrection that we have in our savior. Absolutely. Well put. So to summarize our three main points I'm going to use what you what you introduced for our discussion. That is the three people that were involved, the three groups. The number one, the Romans, trying to again appease the Jewish leaders, giving them what they want instead of actually doing what would would be just, but going going their lengths. I don't know if the Romans were really invested a whole lot themselves, but trying to keep law and order. The guard would number, have been. The guard would have been. Yeah. The, the guards certainly yes. Yeah. And then number two, the Jewish leaders who certainly were the most interested ones in keeping the tomb secure already were scared of this thing happening to the disciples stealing the body away and went to went and and concocted some plans to make sure that that wouldn't happen and then the third group which in some ways is is the most compelling group to think about is that the disciples of jesus who like you said couldn't even keep it together on good friday they all forsook jesus and fled they were they were going in all sorts of directions they were scared on easter uh, they were in no place at all to perform a coup like this, uh, as, as the skeptics claim. Uh, and so when you look at these three people groups, when you take this argument, did the disciples steal the body of Jesus away? You, you see a lot of information in the Bible that answers that question quite clearly. And so for a Christian who maybe hears this argument or has wondered about it before, 
or struggles with it, uh, I think the best advice we can give is just go back to the word of God and see the simple uh, timeline and narrative that is presented here. And you see how God has already addressed a lot of these claims. Thank you, Neil, for walking through this discussion with us and, and guiding uh, this uh, attempt to answer this skeptical argument. Again, another one about the resurrection of Christ. Thank you to our listeners as well for continuing to tune in. Join us next time as we continue our next segment in this series on the skeptical arguments. We hope that you will join us next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing Podcast. Our goal is always to bring you the whole counsel of God. Until next time, go in the strength of the Lord and preach the word.